Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Podcast Network Asia. Welcome to She Talks Peace, a podcast that highlights the role of women peace builders around the world in bringing lasting peace and security to communities, eavesdrop on their communities and get to know their stories. From the Philippines to Malaysia, from Indonesia to Palestine, from Myanmar to the United States, their dreams and hopes for a world without violence and a world where every woman and girl can be whoever she wants to be. Hosted by Amina Rasul Bernardo, President of the Philippine Center for Islam and Democracy. This is She Talks Peace. Salam, dear listeners. This is Amina Rasul from the Philippine Center for Islam and Democracy saying, Hi, welcome back to She Talks Peace. And here's my co-host. Assalamualaikum, everyone. Hi, Amina. How are you? This is Ayesa, and I'm based here at Al Bukhari International University in Alusta, Kedah, Malaysia. Hey, Ayesa. So, how have you been? Oh, as usual, Amina. Busy, busy. <laughs> We're going towards our final exam soon, ending the semester. So, you can imagine. You know, the amount of assignments that our students have to deliver just before they attend their final examinations by mid of February. Yeah, that's coming yeah. soon. But before exams, we will have, uh, we will do a celebration of the Chinese New Year. Oh, yeah, that's this right. February 9, 10. But, yeah, Chinese yeah. New Year is a big thing here in Malaysia. Is it a holiday? It is a holiday. So it's one of those long weekend holidays. Nice. Uh, President Year. Marcos also declared it uh, a holiday. So okay. people are going to be having a nice time. You know, I guess the Philippines really has, I think, the most number of holidays of any country in the world. So Are you they, sure? Are you yeah. sure it's not Malaysia? Because we celebrate oh. the Chinese festival besides the Muslim and the Malay festivals. Then we have the Kadazan Duson, some of the indigenous people. And then we have the, the Indian, the festivals by the Indian community. So we have lots of those as well, Amina. Lots of those uh, holidays. You've forgotten, Ayesa, that in the Philippines, uh, they also declared it a holiday, the, the birthday of the founder of Iglesia Ni Cristo. I mean, we've got that all this something we, new. Yeah, we've got all these holidays, and uh, oh, okay. the business sector keeps complaining that yeah. um, you know it's costing them uh, mm -hmm. productivity-wise, you know, in, in inability to to finish what has been started but uh, hey yes uh, i'm i'm not with the private sector so <laughs> <laughs> when holidays 
is good you know, for me. I have, I have that similar complaint. I mean, when I checked my official, my uh, university email this morning, I was surprised that Thursday is going to be a Thai Pusam holiday. It's a festival uh-huh. by the Indian community. So that means I cannot have classes on Thursday and I want to do classes this week. I want to finish oh, off a lot of the lectures. So, okay, I just have to figure out how I can meet the students after Thursday oh. so we can catch up with the lessons. Right. See, to some extent, many of us don't like holidays as well. <laughs> no, the papers that you have to grade. Um, my my class ended uh, last week and okay. I just uh, gave, instead of an exam, a final exam, mm-hmm. I just uh, gave my class um, a paper to do uh, their their thoughts on the Bangsamoro Autonomous Region for Muslim oh, Mindanao, good. comparing it with the national uh, the national presidential system. But you know, uh, yes, uh, you know, thinking about holidays and how us women, uh, you know, if, if it's like the Eid, for instance. Mm-hmm. We spend so much time, yeah. We spend so much time uh, preparing for the the dinner with the family and mm-hmm. and all that. And I was just thinking, Ayesa, about the Muslim women who have been detained, and I wonder mm-hmm. what they what they do, what happens to them yeah, mm-hmm. during events like that, like uh, Eid and Ramadan. How how do they manage to Observe Ramadan while being in detention. Do you remember um, maybe 15 years ago or so, the Commission on Human Rights, together I think with the Women Law uh, Center, uh, women, uh, the UP Women Lawyers Circle, they did okay. this study of uh, the women who were detained. Muslim women especially who were detained because their husbands or brothers or uncles or sons were caught uh, for being terrorists. And when they did, and I remember the um, research, um, they said that majority of the women had been there for months, no formal charges filed, and most of the women were just bystanders. They were okay. at home. Their husbands or their sons or or fathers were picked up. And mm-hmm. but they've been in you know detention in jail essentially for so these for the, when you say detention, Amina, these are temporary detention centers, right? This is not the proper prison. No jail. They jail. They're detained in they're, jail. Yeah, okay. But because but because the charges were of course terrorism, they're like in Bigutan, you know, where the where the political prisoners and uh, those uh, suspected of terrorism uh, were being held, and the the facilities are unconscionable, so inhumane. There was another study done by the Commission on Human Rights looking at the conditions of women in jail. And my goodness, Ayesa, it's, uh, it's so incredible. They, they, did, uh, they captured stories of um, women detainees and women uh, prisoners. And you know, your heart will break 
with uh, you know the the stories that they that they uh, they told but um the good thing is uh, the marcos government um last december ayesa they had a summit where they're going to be looking at what to do with the de- uh, the with decongesting the the jails in the philippines so nakon okay. would that something can be done because you know if you're a woman and you're in jail a jail system that is more attuned to men how do they meet your uh, your needs yeah this, you know, this is this is where the women peace security agenda comes in amina exactly <laughs> because the, 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 they're supposed to also pay attention to the welfare of women even when they have been uh, jailed or detained there was a um, another study i think it was also by the commission on human rights and um, you know here let me quote that to you it said women's unique needs in terms of health and sanitation as well as their socially ascribed roles as primary caregivers are disregarded if not invisible So, and, and it says further, women and those of diverse gender identities are also more vulnerable to violence, especially during admission and all throughout their detention. You know, one of these days, Ayesa, I think I'm going to go and, and visit the women in jail because the last time I did that ooh, was maybe 10 years ago. And it was bad then. Can you imagine what it's like mm-hmm. today, Ayesa? So you're going on a day trip there soon. Yeah. Is it better in Malaysia? I don't know, Amina. I haven't been to one. Never been? <laughs> yeah. Wait, maybe yet. that could be yeah. that could be a project we can do. Taking yeah. a look at but, women detainees in ASEAN. Okay. But let's continue talking about this subject by bringing in our special guest for today. Yes. Because I think she will be able to explain to us a lot of all these uh, issues on how our uh, legal system in the Philippines does have, you know, this gender lens and make sure that uh, the women are met uh, with the women in the detention centers and the prisoner, the prison uh and the prisons will be, you know, are, are being uh, taken care of, you know, that their rights are not being taken away from them, as you mentioned. So let me do a short introduction about our guest. Her name is Attorney Ada Abad. Attorney Ada, she is actually uh, the current president of the UP Women's Lawyers Circle Incorporated. She is also the dean at Adamson University College of Law. And she's also been teaching at other universities as well, like Lyceum of the Philippines University, Adamson University, Far Eastern University, and University of the East. And besides her teaching uh, duties, she is she continues to practice as a lawyer, and she is in fact the managing partner at Abad Abad and Associates Law Office. So Attorney Ada uh, is also um, part of this legal council for the Philippine Association of Colleges and Universities, or PACO, which represents 180 institutions 
of um, law colleges and universities nationwide in the Philippines. And she's committed to legal education and has been a very active advocate of human rights and education from women, children. And she contributes her expertise to NGOs just like this Child Justice League NGO and Child Protection Network Foundation of the Philippines and a Women's Legal Bureau. So to find out more about this uh, very interesting and very sensitive, I guess, to an extent, you know, but very mm-hmm. timely topic for us about women and, and gender and the legal system in the Philippines. Let us now welcome our guest at She Talks Peace, Attorney Ada Abad. Welcome, Attorney Ada. Hello. Good afternoon to everyone. Thank you for the invitation, uh, Dr. Amina and Dr. Ayesa. Uh, Happy New Year to all of the listeners. Thanks for joining us, uh, Dean Ada. But before we go into the heavy discussion about the women in jail, I wanted to congratulate you and the Women Lawyers Circle, the UP Willow Sea, because I understand that you have succeeded in making all law schools include a subject on gender and law? Wow! Yes, ma'am. Let me just clarify. It's not the law schools. It's actually a mandate of the Legal Education Board. Uh-huh. It's a government uh, mandate that uh, under the new curriculum that was just passed 2022, um, one subject, which is core, but non-bar, meaning to say it's not included as a bar subject, is gender sensitivity, women and children. So that is a required subject for all law schools to uh, give out. And what we did in the women's uh, lo- women lawyer circle, what we call the UP Willow C, is to come up with a core group of um, experts on women and children. We drafted and finalized a um, model syllabus that can be used by all law schools. Um, and, you know, I was just looking at it recently. It's like all of 24 pages um, on all kinds of laws uh, relating to um, violence against women, uh, against um, for pornography, human trafficking. It's going to be a very practical uh, insight uh, and approach to the various legal issues concerning women and children. So we're really looking forward to that. Um, it has already been uplo- uh, uh, forwarded to the Legal Education Board. It's supposed to, the Willows is supposed to do some kind of training with the UP Law Center. And, you know, everything's, um, I'm also the Executive Vice President of the Philippine Association of Law Schools. So it's coming mm-hmm. together. So it's easy enough for the syllabus to be brought out and then we can do trainings of the professors that would wish to teach this particular subject. It's all of like 14 weeks of um, once a week, uh, two, two hours a week, right? Yeah. Two hours a week. Great I job, Ada. Really, really I great I job. Sh- no, I, was, I was just going to say that... Um, 
once it's mandated already of the legal education uh, board yes that means all the law schools must already start offering it hopefully in yes, the next uh, semester so great job but my question about that um, would it be possible to include like a, a, a section on women peace and security there is a section on women, peace, and security. And actually, that particular wow. section was handled by uh, Salma. She was the one that crafted it. Yeah, Salma did. Uh, I'd like to give a shout out to all um, of uh, the, you know, like uh, to, to give credit where credit is due. Um, we were all of 17 uh, experts that uh, did this particular syllabus, uh, some of which were uh, Katrina Legarda, we have Dean Sol Mawis, we have uh, uh, Professor Glenda Litong, Professor Leo Batad of UP, Professor Beth uh, Aguiling Pangalangan. We also had uh, the Commissioner of Human Rights, uh, Gwen Pimentel Gana, uh, with us. And some of uh, her um, colleagues in the Commission on Human Rights. We also have uh, some other people at uh, Dot Palasbas Gankaiko, uh, our previous past president, um, uh, Arlene Lapus Oreta. We also have the DSWD and uh, IBP Legal Aid uh, Director, uh, June Ambrosio, among others. Yeah. Ada, so, does that mean um, that you are also including like case studies in your syllabus? It's going to be very practical. There are a lot of cases, there are a lot of videos. Um, it's going to be uploaded. We are trying to come up with a, a particular, what do you call it in the internet? That you put everything Online in the platform. internet. Yes. Uh, so it's going like, to be like a Moodle. Moodle. <laughs> I'm not sure Moodle. if that's what Moodle. it's but but yeah. it's going to be a file that is placed on the internet. I don't know what you call okay. it. Uh, yeah. And then An anyone platform, can learning platform. Yeah, anyone can access it and then okay. get the materials from that uh, particular. Oh, I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, Google, it's a Google Drive, they call it. A Google Drive. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Most definitely, yeah, we will share that good news with our colleagues in ASEAN. Because Ayesa and I, we belong to... Uh, the ASEAN Women for Peace Registry. And mm -hmm. uh, I think they will be very interested in that module because who knows, Ayesa, maybe it can be replicated in the other That's ASEAN true. countries, like Malaysia, for instance. Maybe your university will, could replicate I will be interested, that. Ada, because I teach yes. a course on gender and development. Oh, okay. In, a, um, in the Bachelor of Social uh, Development Program. So definitely yes. I'll be interested about gender and law. We can uh, give you a copy topics. of the syllabus, but it's yeah. mostly Philippine law, though, and Philippine uh, cases. Okay. But, you know, you, can, case you can use it. Right, right. Yeah. You know, Ada, um, it's really good that, you know, these kinds of initiatives, uh, kind of this uh, education type oriented of advocacy are also put out online for free with all the teaching materials. Because in, in my experience in teaching courses like human rights, peace, and international humanitarian law, if you have all those teaching materials online available, yes, then we get to encourage more academics and teachers to teach the subject. 
because normally our problem is that we don't have enough of these teaching materials. So if you put it out there online, definitely you will get to encourage more lecturers on gender and law in yeah. the well, let's, so let's Congratulations, it, Yes. Uh, we're, we're actually hoping that it will also, um, you know, raise the conversation, you know, start conversations, not just among professors, but also among the law students. Because these law students eventually will become lawyers and then help out in the crafting of, let's say, policies and legislation that can really help develop uh, genuine equity and equality among the genders. Why did you and uh, Willow C. find it necessary to push for this? I mean, don't mm. the men know what the rights of women are in the, in this country that they have to be well, reminded? Um, <laughs> I think they're well aware, except that sometimes culture dictates otherwise. You still have a lot of machismo here. Um, I think it's coming from that um, the Spanish influence. And um, culturally, uh, the women still are, you know, looked at to... Uh, go to, well, look after the children, look after the house, etc. And it really is difficult to put up a career when you have to also address home issues. So this gender equality and gender sensitivity course is really something that should be uh, uh, encouraged, not only just in law schools, but I think I'm hoping that it will be cascaded down to the undergraduate studies of all universities, because it is something that, you know, um, should be uh, understood not just by women, but also by all uh, by, by the men and all kinds of um, genders. Especially uh, the men, Ada. Yeah. <laughs> yes, we've been victims I mean, uh, to We that. have to be gender-fair. <laughs> Ada already started that it has to include all genders, so we have to be gender-fair. Yeah. Gender <laughs> okay. okay. I still have Earlier, to learn all I'm... kinds of gender, though. Huh? I'm still getting my... <laughs> mind around it i'm i'm dating myself because during our time there are only like two or three so now yep. you know, this true. binary non-binary i'm yeah. still wrapping my mind you and me both ada we're, <laughs> we're, we're showing our age when my, I yeah, know. When, my when my children started um correcting me uh oh, and yes. then they started explaining to me the importance of Pronouns because I kept saying, Why do you have to put that beside your name? He, him, she, her, they, they. and they had to explain I, to me, Ada, I really cannot understand our world. I need to be educated more about how yes, to make too. I, new world. Correct. Um, in, in fact, the first day of classes are coming in and you get the students now introducing themselves as they. And I said, you know what? That's grammatically incorrect. So I'll just, you know, <laughs> use your name, use your name, call you by name rather than they, you know. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, earlier, Ada Amina started the show by talking about uh, the situation of women in the detention centers in the Philippines. You know, for a start, can you just clarify to us 
you know, uh, are these women, are are they in temporary detention centers or they are really put in jail or since they've been uh, tried in court already? Who are these women and what are they doing in these places? Usually when you are in detention, you are likewise placed in the municipal jail. There, I don't think there is a uh, a facility that is just you know, the, uh, you call detention, uh, this is while the court case is going on and there is no conviction as yet. But unfortunately, there are a lot of people that still stay in the detention centers. Uh, the, you know, the cases here in the Philippines really run very long, you know, like uh, it's really delayed. Um, some of the cases, in fact, some of the child cases that I have handled, one that I'm going to have in Thursday has been ongoing for the last 11 years. Uh, she started, she was only seven. Now oh she's 18, God. you know, oh, wow. now she's 18. Um, this was a case of child molestation by a stepfather. So, um uh, the 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 delay the long delay really uh, plays a big part in the decongestion the reason behind this new thrust of the government to really decongest the jails is in cognizance of the fact that a lot of the uh, the uh, people deprived of liberty both men and women sometimes have already served the maximum sentence that can be imposed by the court, and yet the case is still ongoing. So that's the reason for this particular uh, jail decongestion program now. And last December 6th, as I heard Ma'am Amina earlier, they did come up with a jail de- uh, with a decongestion summit, which calls for uh, a, a whole of government approach to uh, resolving this issue. Because as I understood, we are now third in the world of the worst congested uh, jails in the whole world. In the, the world, third highest, really? Yes, the third highest. Um, in, and the worst here in the Philippines is, I think, Quezon City, where there's like 3,000 uh, more than what is required to be placed in jail. It's 3,000% over and above the capacity of the jail. So much so that I've seen a lot of pictures that you can't even sleep. You 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 can't even sleep uh, sleep because you just have to stand up the whole time. Um, one well one of the ones that we, I personally know is the case of Dr. Iggy Agbayani, a doctor who was uh, put in jail. Uh, in detention while waiting for the resolution of his case, he was telling his he just died, no, and it became a big. It was such a big issue here for the medical community. It he, he was telling the family, and the letter was sent out in Viber and of social media that the place was so congested there were lots of you know, cockroaches and rats, it's not very sanitary. And, you know, the stench is really overwhelming. He can't even sleep properly. Those things, you know, added to his stress. And I think that's the reason why he just suddenly collapsed and had a heart attack inside jail. So he had been there for just almost five months. 
Wow. And he couldn't stand it. And he was a doctor, huh? He was a yeah. doctor, I think, uh, orthopedic surgeon who wow. was accused of what a medical malpractice. Yes, medical malpractice for alleged um, failure to ensure sanit- uh, the the proper sanitation of the equipment used. Oh. But that wasn't his job. That was the job yeah. of the nurse, you know? Nurse. So, yeah, the nurse. Yeah. But nonetheless, that's, that's all water under the bridge. He- I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at onepeloton.com. Died. You know, Ada, I can, you know, I, I, I know what, uh, what you were saying about Quezon City because the, the facility, the jail that I had visited more than 10 years ago was in Quezon City. And I'm mm-hmm. telling you, Ada, in one cell, all the prisoners were sitting down on the ground and, you know, they cannot sit straight or whatever. There are no chairs. So they're mm-hmm. sitting with their knees bent. So that wow. they could be accommodated. It was that bad. And I was wondering, how do they sleep? Because yeah. it, was, it, was, it was really packed. Hardly any room to move. So this uh, summit of theirs for decongesting the jails is uh, quite timely. But um, I really do hope that when they have these discussions about how to improve the jail system, they pay attention to the women. And for, yes, those, and for those who have been detained, but, you know, waiting for charges to be filed. Yes, Is it ma'am. true, Adam, that there have been some cases, they are in detention for months, awaiting charges to be filed? That is true. Unfortunately, the reason is there was a huge increase in um, people placed in detention during the time of President Duterte because of the drug war. So the the jails were already overcrowded and then the... uh, the drug war came in and they were rounding up so many of those that were accused of drug ped, uh, drug pushing or drug use. So they put them all in the jail while waiting for uh, charges to be filed. So it really added to the backlog. Incidentally, let me just correct something. No, I, I, I spewed out a statistic which was incorrect. The Quezon City male facility has the highest congestion rate of 1,330%. And according to this research, the female persons deprived of liberty, the the facilities for them are even more crowded than that of the male. Now, I can, yes, and and I I understand that, you know, we had given um, 
in December 2022, one of our projects was to give um, the pre- persons deprived of liberty of some, you know, Christmas uh, to- gifts. And a lot of them were asking for sanitary napkins, yeah, yeah, the women, yeah. because it was not provided for by the government. And it was quite expensive. So yeah. um, that's top of the list. And also for water. Water, um, yes. Yes, water to clean themselves with, you know, when you have your menstruation, etc., etc., and also to drink. Um, you know, it's really, really so bad, the conditions. Um, one of the learnings I had is also with respect to trying to get them out. Um, oh, incidentally, the law schools now have what is called the clinical legal education program. Mm-hmm. And some of the law schools are helping out with the jail decongestion. So some of the problems is that um, there's not much synchronicity with the government uh, agencies. So um, the, the requirements to get the records of the persons deprived of liberty, what they call the uh, the their their court records to just to see, you know, what they were charged of, how many months they have been, you know, um, some of the, the the requirements are not in sync. So in one municipality, there could be less requirements in another municipality it could be more requirements. So um, I think that's the reason for the, the, the summit. No, they, they needed to come up with a standardized and, uh, in February, I think the Philippine Association of Law Schools, of which I'm the executive vice president as well, is coming up with a memorandum of agreement with the Bureau of uh, Jail Management and Penology so that when the law school's um, students, the students from what, what we call the clinical legal education students, no? come out and help in the jail decongestion. They don't need to produce so many documents anymore. Uh-huh. And they will be allowed to go inside the uh, the, the facility. No? Um, That's I really mean, a perfect internship uh, or on-the-job training for our yes. law students. Right. It, it, it's a two-pronged so, thing. It, it helps yeah. with the community. It also allows them to, you know, get to learn the procedure and get to know the root causes of this, you know, the, the, the concerns. Uh, one more learning uh, that, that, uh, that I, you know, I had with my students that were sent to the the jail, no? Some of them came back crying. And I said, why, why are you crying? I said, ma'am, there were some of those that we were processing, their families did not want them back because they have never, you know, gotten to know their father. So why why return them? Yeah. You know, and, and this, this, my students were crying and saying, you know, ma'am, Kawawa naman, you know, what a pity for these people that had been in jail for so long. They could already get out. But then again, their families don't want them anymore. Yeah. And the families were even saying, yeah, they, the families were even saying, why why bring them that back? They're going to be added expense for our family. It's already hard enough for us to sustain our own family without him coming back. You know, and so it was such a a traumatic experience for some of my students. And it was also an eye-opener for me because I never realized there could be 
instances like the family would not even accept their father back. Yeah. You know? So there you go. Um, That's so really the government, a good Yeah, the good government doesn't of, even have any pro program for that too. Because yeah, the integration, the integration yeah. is always uh, a problem as uh, ISI and I know full well when we look at the reintegration, for instance, of detainees who were accused of terrorism, mm -hmm. right, Ayesa? Mm -hmm. That's true. So, Ada, what else have you observed with these young um, lawyers these days, You know, especially your students who are still in law schools? Are there any difference with how it was when you and Salma were student lawyers before and, and this uh, generation of young lawyers? I mean, are they any different or are they more progressive in thinking? How is it? Well, um, I don't know. UP lawyers are kind of different because we had had this practicum since the 1980s. It is only now that the law schools have implemented the practicum and integrated it into the curriculum. It took the Supreme Court and the Legal Education Board to do that. Now, after all these years, 30 plus years, but be that as it may, that being said, it is a good thing that it is being done now because there are a lot, a whole gamut of national concerns that, you know, have to be really uh, addressed. And the... Uh, the number of law students is an added human resource that can really help here. And aside from the fact that it does have a community, you know, aspect to it, uh, you know, helping the community, you the, the students also learn by doing, you know. So as while there's an academic aspect to it, they are now be they they now see how the law is applied on the ground. So it's an eye opener for them. And at the same time, we're helping people, especially the underprivileged, the marginalized, and the defenseless. So yeah. it's it's a good program now, the clinical legal education program. Yeah, because um ISA and I we we always wonder about how socially aware and, uh, you know, activist young people are. Uh, because, you know, when, when you look at uh, analysis, for instance, of young people today, they're very focused on uh, their work, uh, job-life balance. Uh, and we get the sense that it's all about me. So when we have conversations that show that no, they are aware and that they find different ways of showing their yes. advocacy or being socially uh, conscious, then uh, yes, and I are extremely happy. That's why I guess Ayesa and I uh, are, are also teaching apart from our advocacy, right, Ayesa? <laughs> but time flies, Ayesa. Yeah. You see, Ada, there are so much that we can talk about in this show. <laughs> so I hope yeah. that this is not the first, the only time that you will be our guest because I'm sure you can share a lot of things about your students as well next time. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very much. So before we go, um, Ada, uh, is there a message that you'd like to share with our listeners? Maybe a, sh a shout out to young people uh, or students all over the world. Well, thank you very much for giving me this opportunity to give a shout out. But, um, you know, I'm really looking forward to 
uh, networking with, you know, not just Philippine law schools and Philippine universities, but rather looking forward to networking with other countries and to see how we can come up with, you know, better conversations uh, and, and foster more understanding about gender inequality you know, and the gender sensitivity to understand the various challenges and concerns faced by women and children, not only in the Philippines, but, you know, we find a common ground in different countries like uh, in the ASEAN. So it really is, you know, uh, is a good thing for me to find out that there is such a program like She Talks. She Talks Peace. So I, I would really be very happy to come back here and, uh, and talk Again, uh, share my uh, insights and hopefully get insights from you as well. So thank you very much for the invitation. And I'm very, very appreciative. Thank you. Thank you, Ada. Uh, for all our listeners, please don't forget that you can also follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and you can email us at sheetalkspeace at gmail.com in case you have any feedback or suggestions about topics that you want us to to tackle next time. Ada, again, thank you so much. Ayesa, or if they want to get in touch with Ada, if they want Ada's to right. with Ada on gender and law. Don't yes, forget, yes. Amina, uh, one of our guests before from Sabah, Malaysia was Winnie Yi. Winnie Yi, right. an NGO, and a feminist a leader in uh, Sabah, has actually been helping as well the court in Sabah. Uh, tried and trying to educate the lawyers about women and children's issues. In fact, I don't know mm. if you've heard that in Malaysia we have a children's court. So that is something oh. new. It's a you know, yes. development. And I know that Winnie has also been active in educating the court uh, about uh, women's and children's issues in Sabah. So definitely I will uh, give Winnie's uh, contact details to you so that you can okay. continue uh, collaborating. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. So thanks so much for joining us for this uh, episode, Ada. And um, more to come because the issue of gender and law is very critical. As um, Ayes and I know, based on our conversations and uh, discussions, for instance, in Muslim Mindanao, it is just amazing how many women do not know they have rights under the law, whether it is Philippine law or Sharia law. We need to have conversations with them quite often. So thank you so much for joining us. And um, dear listeners, thank you for sharing this hour with us. This is Amina Rasul from the Philippine Center for Islam and Democracy saying bye for now and see you again next week. Yes, sir. Okay, and from here in Alostar, Kada, Malaysia, this is Ayesa. I hope to see you again next time. And thanks again, Dean Ada Abad, for joining us at She Talks Peace. Bye, everyone. Bye-bye. She Talks Peace is brought to you in partnership with Podcast Network Asia and Podmetrics, the easiest way to monetize your podcast. For more information, check out their website at podcastnetwork.asia and podmetrics.co.
The views and opinions expressed by the podcast creators, hosts, and guests do not necessarily reflect the official policy and position of Podcast Network Asia, the hosts of the program, or other programs of the network. Any content provided by the people on the podcast are of their own opinion and are not intended to malign any religion, ethnic group, club, organization, company, individual, or anyone or anything. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50% to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.